make Roswell great again. Donald Trump's very interesting disclosure. This is the Fedora Chronicles radio show's news of the week for July 13th, 2020. To commemorate the 73rd anniversary of the alien spacecraft crash in Roswell, New Mexico, and the 51st anniversary of Apollo 11's lunar landing, Jason Cousineau and Eric Render King Fisk, that's me, discussed Donald Trump's answer about disclosure and whether or not he will spill the secrets about extraterrestrials in America. Jay and I also talk about conflicting conspiracy theories about the moon. Is it a hollow space station like an ancient alien Death Star? Or is it a resource and outpost that is currently being exploited by prospectors from a civilization from beyond our solar system? We end the show with a philosophical debate on whether or not we are ready to know the answers to some of the most intriguing questions of all time. Are we capable of handling the answers to questions such as, are we alone in the universe? Have ancient aliens altered the course of our history and changed the course of our evolution? Who is or what is God and what is our purpose in life and our place in the universe? The Fedora Chronicles is brought to you by our patrons on patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to new episodes of the Fedora Chronicles radio show with show notes, a peek behind the scenes, and more. Zazzle.com slash store slash Fedora Chronicles is where you can purchase t-shirts, coffee mugs, and more with our logo and slogans right on them. 12.5% of every sale goes directly into keeping this podcast and our website on the air. This is the Fedora Chronicles radio show with pop culture and current events through the perspective of classic film snobs and diesel punks, with topics ranging from true crime, government conspiracies and cover-ups, and the paranormal. You can now listen to our podcast on SoundCloud, Apple iTunes, Player FM, Overcast, Stitcher, Spotify, and on Google Play on Android devices. If your favorite podcast service doesn't have the Fedora Chronicles radio show on it, let us know and we'll fix it right away. Once again, this is Jay Cousineau and I, Eric Render King Fisk. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. We promised the listeners that we would do a show like a like a like a UFO paranormal show. And but you want to do that today? Why not? Are you in the mood? I'm always in the mood. All right. <laughs> All right, because the name of this episode is Make Roswell Great Again. Donald Trump's interesting disclosure news. Um I don't know if you you read the links that I had sent you. The one about the funky gel-like substance that's really a rock on on the moon. It's 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 a naturally forming silicone gel, which is probably making plastic surgeons all over the universe happy that we have a a new natural source of silicone. <laughs> it's a natural forming silicone gel, not made in a factory. So all of you looking for some some um, organic. Um, naturally grown silicone for your implants you're all set now china's china's figured it found a new source so and it's all on the far side of the moon so, so you actually could say that you have lunar well whatever it is you're injecting it in 
Right. Right. So I thought that we'll just was just say lunar globes. How should, well, let's phrase it that way. <laughs> lunar globes. I'm actually looking for the news item right now. So and and I'm actually in a really good mood um, this morning, despite the fact that I have to go to the doctor's office uh, tomorrow morning to get my uh, my leg changed um, checked out. They got to figure out whether or not it's it's sciatica, uh-huh. um, whether it's uh, flambosis. Um, uh, a ripped tendon. What exactly is thrombosis? Uh, thrombosis is it's a it's a clogged vein. A clogged vein, right? Isn't isn't that how people have strokes and shit? Yeah, that's how people have strokes and shit. Yeah. If you throw a clot, yeah, I and see, it, I you know, see. if it if so it, nothing to worry about that. Oh, absolutely no, no, it's no, anyway. absolutely, yeah. absolutely not, absolutely not. So yeah, no, I'll be okay. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. So we're going to read this news item here from space.com. Oh, wait a minute. I forgot. Hold on a second. Uh Space.com. Chinese scientists reveal analysis of weird substance found on the moon's far side by U2. U2 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 Rover. That sounds like a name of a new wave band in the 1980s. U2 Except they all wear like ballerina tutus. Made out of aluminum. Right. Tutus made out of aluminum and uh, and titanium. <laughs> and they all have huge, huge hair. A huge hair. Or like no one a, plays anything other than guitar and they just scream into the microphones. Exactly. Chinese scientists have published an analysis of a curious substance found on the moon which generated widespread interest following its discovery by the U-2-2 rover last year. And of course, space.com has all of these, all of these pop-ups and all of these like, yeah. so yeah. my favorite, there's, there's a few paragraphs in here that I like. One was, however, the substance is as expected by scientists made up of rock. Right. And of in course, their article in earth, earth and planetary science letters, Gaosheng and colleagues analyzed data from U22's panoramic hazard avoidance cameras on the rover's visible and near infrared spectrometer instrument. They used a procedure called spectral unmixing to break down the measured spectra from VNIS to determine the likely composition and abundance of the material. The, the material. So it's a, yeah. it's a rock. It's a type of rock. I would. I think it's actually poop from rock creatures who live on the moon. You know, I saw that movie late night in the nineteen seventies. <laughs> that black and white movie. You know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, I think I do. This doesn't surprise me at all. No, it doesn't surprise me at all. Are we talking about the same movie? I don't know. I don't know. Mine involves a lot of lesbian Nazis. Is, is that the one you're talking about? I, that's that's exactly the one I'm thinking about. And can we just say that I think China named their rover the u22 because they knew that it would cause most people in america to giggle <laughs> absolutely i'm sorry I, I don't know if i can actually take a a space program or a space probe called u22 that seriously right i'm sure it sounds awesome in chinese but you know, for us in America, especially those of us who, like me, have yet to progress beyond second grade, yeah, you two too. It's just like, <clears throat> well, <clears throat> but Jay, how, how do how do we how do we promote the show? What do we say about the show? 
when I describe the show to people and I'm actually able to do this. I'm actually able to do this in front of people live where it's like people say, oh, what is, what's your podcast about? And I say politics, pop culture and current events from the perspective of classic food film snobs, nerds and retropunks, true crime, government conspiracies and cover ups. Paranormal too. author interviews, media reviews, all with self-deprecating sophomore humor. I have that like yeah. memorized. <laughs> very, very You're especially accurate on the sophomore humor. Yes, humor. the self, the yeah. self-deprecating sophomore humor. Mm. So I thought I thought that that was absolutely totally amazing that they actually found naturally forming silicone gel on the far side of the moon. Right now. What I find interesting also is that the material resembles lunar impact melt breccia samples returned by NASA's Apollo missions, in particular similarities with the Apollo samples designated 15466 and 719 are noted, a comparison made earlier by lunar scientist Clive Neal at the University of Notre Dame. Right. So it looks like it's made of broken fragments of material cemented together and black shiny glass. At least that's preliminary what they think so is this impact from say a, a meteorite that slammed into the moon that created all of those infamous craters that mm -hmm. we all know and love so well is that what we're is that what the thought is here well i am of two minds of this and i'm actually like racing right now to get to my audible because i keep one of the things that i do is i'm constantly looking for show topics i'm constantly looking for things to share with our fedora chronicles audience and of course it had it had to play it automatically just as soon as i clicked on it there is there is a incredible book called somebody else is on the moon the author's name is george leonard and it is a fascinating book talking about observations that's that people have made on the lunar surface, both on the far side of the moon and the near side of the moon. And apparently there's been a lot of strange activity on the surface of the moon. And the, there are some outrageous claims in the book about some kind of intelligent life that's harvesting material on the moon. And we don't know who it is. We don't know if it's us. We don't know if it's the Russians, whether or not it's, um, as well, like, as I would say that anything that is on the moon that is from Earth, we would generally know about, especially, you know, science nerds like us. Right. Simply because we on Earth as human beings cannot seem to prevent ourselves from bragging about yeah. our accomplishments. Yeah. So <laughs> I seriously doubt there's a secret anything from Earth well, on the moon. I'm going to read you. I'm going to read you. I, I, I love these pop ups. This is, this is the, um, the synopsis of this book. Few people notice the secret code words used by astronauts to describe the moon. Until now, few knew about the strange moving lights that they reported. George H. Leonard, former NASA scientist, fought through the official veil of secrecy and studied thousands of NASA photographs, spoke candidly with dozens of NASA officials, and listened to hours and hours of astronaut tapes. Here, Leonard presents the stunning and inescapable evidence discovered during his in-depth investigation. Immense mechanical rigs, some over a mile long, 
working the lunar surface. Strange geometric ground markings and symbols. Lunar construction several times higher than anything built on Earth. Vehicles, tracks, towers, pipes, conduits, and conveyor belts running in and across the moon craters. Somebody else is indeed on the moon and engaged in activities on a massive scale. Our space agencies and many of the world's top scientists have known for years that there is intelligent life on the moon. An extreme, and this is a quote, an extremely convincing case the moon has life on it, an intelligent race that probably moved in from outside the solar system. UFO report, Leonard's photos are truly mind-boggling. Publishers Weekly. And it's one of those books that I will listen to in the middle of the night if I cannot get any sleep. And it keeps me up for the rest of the night, just thinking about the idea of, and I wish that we could actually, I'm not sure if, if George Leonard is still alive or not. I would like to get him on the podcast. But yeah. I think that these samples, these gooey samples, and I know that this is crazy, wild conspiracy theorist talk. Uh-huh. I wonder if that gel is a byproduct of this alleged activity that's on the moon. Uh, that's probably a lot less conspiracy theory than what I was thinking, which is that it's alien poo. I don't know. I mean, it could it's it could be one or the other. One of the things that I do wonder: Does he talk about in the book the when they the moon? I I forget if they intentionally uh, did this just because you know why the hell not, or if there was a satellite that was falling out of orbit, so they redirected it or whatever. Um, I seem to recall reading somewhere that they sent something crashing into the moon at high speed, and they said according to the the seismic sensors that they still get signals from the moon rang like a gun. right that's that was also detailed in yet another book that i have yet to review yeah and i'm scrolling so i wonder if that is um you know one of the things that one of the things that i seem to recall there's a lot of questions about the moon scientifically right so like first of all how did it form because the way we like when you and i were growing up they told us that something slammed into the earth and that the moon was formed out of like the, the detritus that blew out the other side from the impact. Right. Yep. Back when the earth was first forming. However, if the moon is solid, it should be affecting us a lot more than just the tide. Exactly. The gravitational force of such a large object should be causing our axis to wobble a hell of a lot more than it is. Right. So um, there are there are abnormalities about the moon. Now, Christopher Knight and Alan Butler wrote the book, Who Built the Moon, published on January 30th, 2014. And I have both the Kindle version and the audible version. Um, Do you want me to read the synopsis for this book, too? Or yeah. All right. Let's do it. The moon has confounded scientists for many years. I'd say centuries, but you just go ahead with that. It does not obey. I remember pre nineteenth century, pre twentieth century, there were no scientists. Oh, that's right. That's right. It does not obey the known rules of astrophysics, and there is no theory on its origin that explains the known facts. It should, in fact, it should not really be there. When researching the ancient system of geometry and measurements used. In the Stone Age, they discovered in a previous book, Civilization One, the author, authors discovered, to their great surprise, that the system also works perfectly on the moon. 
On further investigation, they found a consistent sequence of beautiful integer numbers when looked at every major aspect of the moon. No pattern emerges for any other planet or moon in the solar system. For example, the moon revolves at exactly one hundredth of the speed that the Earth turns on its axis. The moon is exactly 400 times smaller than the sun. The moon is exactly 400 times smaller than the sun and is precisely 400 times closer to the Earth. They also discovered that the moon possesses little or no heavy metals and has right, no so and on, has no port. That's that's not true. That's not true. Let me just finish reading this here, and I'll I'll, I'll okay. back this up. They also discovered that the moon possesses little or no heavy metals and has no core. In fact, many specialists suspect that the moon is hollow. If our moon did not exist, nor would we. Experts are now agree. Uh, experts are now agreed that higher life only developed on Earth because the moon is exactly where it needs to be. When all the other facts are dispassionately reviewed, it becomes unreasonable to cling to the idea that the moon is a natural object. Only question remains is that who built it? I have to back this up and say that we have found heavy elements on the moon that allegedly, and notice how we use the word allegedly, trying to be, <laughs> allegedly only that are can only be the byproducts of nuclear reactors. Like the kind of like they found so like cesium I, and, and right and uranium and yeah spent plutonium all all the nasty rotten bright byproducts of nuclear power plants the kind of elements and isotopes that we're finding in the area surrounding chernobyl and fukushima and and a lot of people right, have but, but are we finding them in great concentrations on the moon or are they just present I, you know what, I, I wish I could actually answer that. I wish I had a, a direct answer to that. From what I understand, there's a, a, a quote, surprising amount, quote unquote. So, yeah, but I mean, the surprising amount is a really vague way of phrasing that yeah, because if you're not expecting to find anything and you find like one part per million, that's right. a surprising amount. Right. Like if, like if, if, if you found just a, a couple of molecules in my backyard of lunar silicone goop that would be surprising that's a that's a surprising amount right even if exactly. it's even if it's, just, if it's just so the thing so there is a surprising amount and from what i understand that they found minerals and isotopes that sort of resemble nuclear waste is from what right. i understand now some of the other things that i seem to recall reading is that the moon is actually moving away from the Earth by a rate of about 11, 12 inches a year. Right. Which makes no sense because if you follow that through logically, that means that millions of years ago it was millions of feet closer. And that would have had much stronger effects on the Earth if such a large physical object was that close to the Earth. I mean, the Earth is what seven, eight billion years old, something like that. Nine billion years old. I think it's close. I think it's closer to four, four point five billion years old. Yeah, whatever. It's a long fucking time. Yep. Certainly a lot more than four. Right. So, um, so if you say that the Moon's been moving away from the Earth since the time that, if we believe that the Moon first formed when the Earth did, then that means from the very beginning it was extremely close 
to the Earth, which means it should have been a binary planetary system rather than a planet and a moon. If it was, especially if it was had a solid core, right. it would have been basically orbiting each other if they were that close. You know what I mean? And if it was that close, why wouldn't why did, would the gravitational field of the Earth not have pulled it into the Earth? That's a tough question. That you know, you know I'm, I'm, and I'm no astrophysicist. Hell, I never even took physics. Everything I know about physics, I learned initially from reading science fiction books, and then going, "Hey, I wonder what that really means," right? And looking it up. So, like, here's an interesting article from physics.org. The moon may have formed in a nuclear explosion by Lynn Edwards, and this is from physics.org. A new theory suggests the moon was formed after a natural nuclear explosion in the Earth's mantle rather than after an impact of a massive object within the moon, as previously thought. So when it talks about how, obviously, or trying to figure out how the moon got to where it is, how could it have possibly have gotten there, and how could there have been a natural um, nuclear explosion within the underneath the crust of the Earth. I don't know how that works. Well, I'll post again, a, I'll post if, a link. If we, to, if to we the start art. combining conspiracy theories, right? Right. We've got the work of um, Graham Hancock, which is actually him reporting on other people's theories, more right? Than anything else, where he talks about there were ancient civilizations that of considerable technological achievement that may have actually had nuclear power at some mm -hmm. point you know if you believe any of the stories of atlantis or especially yeah. like the vedic tests texts of ancient india where they or you know the as your former co-host like love to talk about the anunnaki these people supposedly have crafts that they were able to fly in right and the book of enoch talks about these ancient beings being able to move extremely quickly through some form of conveyance. Yeah. Right? So does that mean that there was a greater ancient civilization? Does that mean that aliens had visited us in the past? Does that mean that our ancient ancestors smoked a lot of dope? I mean, it could be anything. It could be. It literally could be anything. We don't know. Because the thing is, is everyone, you know, you hear scientists say things like, well, there's there's no way that could happen because they didn't have the technology. No, but if you had a primitive person who was looking at an advanced technology and did not have the vocabulary to describe it, how would they describe it? I don't know. I would, yeah. If we didn't have words for electricity or anything mechanical, automobiles, if we did not have that language already established within our lexicon, within our accumulated dictionary of language, how would we describe the things that we use and see every day? Or how would someone from you know, 200 BC described an airplane. That is, yeah, that is an, you know? a, an, a really fascinating question and a thought exercise. Now here's, right. and, but here's, here's another thing that, that drives me crazy. You have two separate books. You have somebody else's on the moon by George Leonard published back in 1977. And then you have another book written by Christopher Knight, I don't think it's the same Christopher Knight who is on the Brady Bunch. I, 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 I'm going to say probably not. I'm just I'm putting it out there. Yeah. Who Built the Moon, written by Christopher Knight, published January 30th, 2014. I think, I think, Jay, that these are two conflicting conspiracy theories 
or it's two conflicting, quote, scientific theories, unquote. One of the two are true. Now, one of the things that drives me crazy in a lot of the conspiracy theory groups that I use to promote the Federal Chronicles radio show when we do episodes, because I don't spam these groups every time we do an episode of our of our podcast. If the, Does they get pissy? They get pissy. And I, and, and I only share links to our episodes that fit the theme of those groups. And there are quite a few conspiracy theory groups on Facebook. What drives it, what, what doesn't drive me crazy when people talk about these two conflicting books, either somebody built the moon, the moon is hollow and that it's a, or could be a giant space station. That's no moon. (laughs) That's a space station. Or the moon is somehow some natural forming body that just happens to be there and there was somebody else a higher intelligence a higher life form that's strip mining the surface of the moon one or the other is true how could both be true i don't know i mean there could be a there could be a third explanation and in support of the moon being a natural body water behaves unlike any other liquid or known substance on earth right right so having a unique object is not unknown in nature we don't think someone invented water there's about that because water is a building block of life without water life wouldn't exist right we don't think something or someone created water even though it is unique in our experience as a material as a mineral right it found in nature so it is it is possible that the moon is a natural made object that we just don't understand. We don't understand right. how it functions the way it functions. We don't understand, you know, is there something about the way that the moon was formed that is that is operating on on a natural level of physics that we just haven't discovered yet. Right. We don't know. We have no clue. No. Then again, we also can't explain why when people hear certain phrases and certain chordal progressions put together, it affects us, it affects everyone in the same way on an emotional level. We don't understand that either. Right. We can explain some of it, but we don't understand how it interacts with our emotions. So right. we like to think science has all the answers, but the truth is science eh, Science does a great knows job. Some things. Yeah. Science does a great job in asking more questions when it answers others. Right, which I think is fantastic. But at the same time, I think we fall into the danger of just assuming science has all the answers. Right. And our scientific knowledge, at least the way I think of it anyway, our scientific knowledge, our understanding of science is not nearly as deep as we think right. it is. Like, I think I, we're we're right. drilling into the tip of an iceberg. And we haven't even reached water level yet as far as science is concerned. There's so much more to the world and the universe that we do right. not understand than there is what we right. do that I think we don't even know what questions to ask if someone were to show up. If there was to be some supreme being suddenly showed up on the earth and said, you may ask me any question and, and I shall answer it truthfully. We wouldn't even know where to begin. Oh, I, I know exactly where I would you know, begin. You and I would probably start off with like, you know. The JFK assassination, what happened to Jimmy Hoffa, <laughs> yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, sweet Jesus. Could you just imagine? I mean, my head would explode because I would not know where to begin. Although I think that I would def- – oh, 
I mean, I, I and by the way, I mean, if I mean, like, what kind of supreme being are we talking about? Because I don't think that aliens would know the answer to who really killed JFK unless they were actually observing it as it happened. Well, I'm talking about an, an, a, a literal, literally omniscient being. Oh, something like something that right, like God entity or something. That literally, okay. yeah, okay, God, whatever, right, that literally knows everything, right, and can answer any question you have. We would start off with questions that to him are like completely irrelevant, right? Because let's face it, like Jimmy Hoffa, JFK, um, why exactly did the assassination of Duke Ferd? Archduke Ferdinand lead to um, World War One. That would be an interesting question. I think that I would. Right. St- I think I would start off with something easy, like, yeah, "How come my mom obviously loved my brother more than me?" And then, of course, the supreme being would be like, "Come on, you know the reason. You know the reason. They're like-minded assholes. What else did you want? I mean, come on, move <laughs> on. Ask me a real well, tough one." But but that's it, but that's my point is that we would. Even if we were to collectively, as a world, come up with the first question to ask, relatively speaking, it would be irrelevant to the being of which we are asking. Sure, sure. Because we don't know enough. Science, our understanding of science is paltry. I know what you're getting at. You know, we know gravity exists, but we don't know why it exists. We don't know, we don't understand the principles behind gravity. Right. Forces of gravity. You know, we have like the what do they call them the, the strong nuclear bonds and weak nuclear bonds and we understand that those exist we don't understand why they exist right um, and we certainly don't have the capacity to manipulate them well not yet not yet but what yeah, give us a few thousand years what drives me crazy about these conspiracy theory groups is that you have three different opposing arguments about the moon mm-hmm. four if you count the the flat earthers that I, I really don't want to talk about, but I will in a second. You have the group of people who say that the moon is actually a space station and people are observing us from the space station. Or, or there's the other, it's an alien base and aliens are there. They're strip mining the surface of the moon. They're, they're, and there are all these strange ancient artifacts that make no sense at all. And then you have the buttholes who insist we never landed on the moon. And those are the people that drive me the craziest. And I know that I had mentioned this before on our podcast. Mm -hmm. What I really detest and resent is the number of conspiracy theorists who try really extra hard to evangelize to me of all people about the fact, the quote fact, unquote, that NASA never landed men on the moon and that it's a giant conspiracy theory that has more than half a million people who were involved in it in one way, shape or form. The Russians were watching us. The Brits were watching us. The Chinese were watching us. The entire world. uh, By the way, half of them, those four countries you just named, half of them have reason have reason to point out any proof that we did not land on the moon. Yeah, exactly. So I, I have a hard and I have a hard time taking those people seriously. There's far more evidence that we landed on the moon. See, now I, I have a friend who falls under that category. He okay. is one of those conspiracy theorists. And he used to tell me, he used, what evidence do we have that we landed on the moon? I said, the fact that we bounce a laser off of the landing module every year. And right. that's how we measure the distance from the moon. Yeah. 
the fact that with a powerful telescope, you can actually see the tracks of the lunar rover. Yep. And in fact, you can see the lunar rover because we didn't pack it up and take it with us. It's still there. You can, with a powerful enough telescope, see the fucking flag that is still on the moon. Right. So you want to know what scientific evidence we have? There you go. Like, I don't yeah, think but all it... of that could be fake. And I'm like, yeah, you know what else could be fake? Gravity. Which also gets me to the other conspiracy theory that makes absolutely no zero sense whatsoever, Jay. And whenever the topic of flat earth comes up on any of these groups, I simply copy and paste this and then I move on with the rest of my life. The only reason why flat earthers exist is to keep real conspiracy theorists arguing with them and distract us from talking about actual conspiracy theories. You know, the ones about how the federal and the state governments subvert the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and actually ruin people's lives when they aren't trying to kill us or poison us. The only, and you could actually go to DuckDuckGo right now. You could use Google, but use DuckDuckGo instead. And just do a search for CIA disinformation, flat earth. I, I, I'm actually shocked that you're actually doing it right now. Why not? I do, I do this rather frequently. Okay. When you say, you could do this. And then I you go, can do this. And you, you will find a... X flat earther speaks out. You will actually... Yeah. <laughs> you will actually find a mountain of evidence that there are people within the CIA who participate in all of these disinformation programs. And... On their spare time, when they have nothing better to do, they like to fuck with people and say that the Earth is flat when we never landed on the moon. Well, I will say that there was a guy, I think he was on Joe Rogan, who said he joined the Flat Earth Society simply because he wanted to see what kind of people were in it. Right. And came upon the conclusion that about half the people in the Flat Earth Society don't actually believe the Earth is flat. They're just there to fuck with people. Right. And that, that makes sense. That makes that makes perfect sense. There are three types of people who say the Earth is flat. The first group is from the CIA disinformation um, group, whatever you want to call them. Same people behind Operation Mockingbird. And it's all part of a disinformation program to get people to question reality, like really question what you think you believe, what you think you know. Because once you start questioning what we're being taught in science class about this, why the Earth is round, why the Earth is a globe, and how, and how gravity works. Well, the interesting thing that I'm finding is that the more I look into, because I'm fascinated by ancient civilization. Sure. Right? And one of the things that I find most fascinating is that there is growing evidence that outside of Europe, the notion that Earth was round was common knowledge. Right. Um, there are a number of there's a number of evidence in in Egypt, in ancient China, held the Aborigines of Australia, the Native Americans in North and South and Central America. There's evidence to suggest that all of those cultures knew and understood that the Earth was round. Right. In fact, the sides of the pyramid are to scale the great pyramid are to scale the circumference of the earth mm -hmm. you know and it's it's just things like that don't happen by accident there's a lot of you know things I mean? that should there's a i mean and also getting back to phil copen's book 
um, the ancient civilization enigma mm-hmm. really shocked a lot of people to the extent that, wait a minute, there was an advanced civilization that had either technology or techniques that are lost to us now. They knew how to do things that we don't know how to do. Forgotten science, as it were. Mm-hmm. And that somehow, some way, with all of their advanced knowledge, they went extinct. That civilization collapsed. They were clearly smarter than we are in some realms of science. They had a different paradigm than we do. We do now. They went extinct. That's a lost, dead civilization. What hope do we have? That's scary. Hold on, because we don't know why they went extinct. I mean, we're still trying to figure out if they even fucking exist. So we have no clue as to well, why I'm they went extinct. Well, I'm convinced. I'm convinced that something existed before this civilization. I'm convinced. Oh, I am too. I mean, Earth humans have been on the Earth for well over 100,000 years, but it wasn't until the last 3,000 years that we actually started developing technology. That's bullshit. If that is true, then humans, as we understand humanity, did not exist. Because part of humanity is that drive to make things better. At, At our core, at our very, very core, every human being is lazy. Right. And if we can find an easy way of doing something, we're gonna fucking use it. And that drive of laziness is what caused us to invent all of these machines and all of this technology that we use on right. a daily basis because it's a hell of a lot easier than having to skin it, gut it, bo- debone it, cook it, right. and all that other shit. Right. It's just a lot easier going to the goddamn grocery store. I mean, it, so, yeah. And there, so it's that, that drive, if that did not exist in humanity until 3,000 years ago, I would be absolutely shocked because I don't think that that is unique to quote-unquote modern man. Because, again, that 100,000-year thing is based on what we consider to be quote-unquote common man. Right. So have is it possible – what is more likely that for 900 – or yeah, for – 97,000 years we just were quite happy running around picking berries and chasing down animals I don't and yeah. didn't decide to pursue agriculture I don't know or we decided you know we did it then we fucked up then we did it again then we fucked up then we did it again and we fucked up that's more likely to me if you look at the span of the last 3,000 years from and I'm going by the assumption that agriculture which is kind of the building block of technology none of None of our technological advances afterwards would have been able to happen if it wasn't for the development of agriculture. That, as I understand, as I recall anyway, happened around 1200 BC. Right. So roughly 3,000 years between then and now, right? And we've gone from, I mean, our first manned flight, powered flight of humans was just about 60 years before we landed someone on the fucking moon. I think it's closer to 70, but okay. Oh, it was 1908, wasn't it? And we landed on the moon in 1969. I mean, that's huge. That's a that's a huge quantum leap. That is huge. Whether it's 60 in, or 70 years, that's huge. It's a human lifespan. In less, one yeah. Human lifespan. We that, went from yeah, you know, there's hang gliders and shit to powered flight to you know, someone landed on the goddamn moon. That's that is. You stop and think about that for a second. That is absolutely totally amazing. That there are. And that raises a whole bunch of other questions, Jay. Well, even even in our lifetimes, how many basis is like something out of Star Trek. Right. You know, well, flip phones. Flip phones. The only reason why we had flip phones 
as the initial cell phone was because of Star Trek. Oh, sure. Because most scientists are geeks and nerds. Yeah. So, I mean, that drive didn't exist until 3,000 years ago when finally someone said, hey, how about we take these seats, put them in the ground and add water, see what happens. I don't, I just don't know. I Like I had said, there's a lot of this that honestly does not make a hell of a lot of sense. And right. a lot so of questions. Why, there's as a far lo- as the ancient, ancient civilizations thing, that's why I follow that particular conspiracy theory. Right. Um, but, I, and, I, and I say this, trying to get back to like, you know, why flat earthers and and loon, lunar landing deniers drive me crazy. There's a those two seem to be related too, don't they? They really do seem to be related, and and I was actually accused of plagiarism earlier this week <laughs> because somebody whose name I can't pronounce and I'm not going to bother saying, Eric Fisk, you should stop plagiarism and state where you stole this. I know I can go copy and paste it for you. I know where you stole this. The, the, the crazy and thing. Copy and paste it, damn it! And he <laughs> did. I want to know where you stole it from. You want to know where you stole it from? I would like. I, I honestly, I would like to know where I stole it from. I got this great. He probably did an. He probably did a search of that entire text and has probably found out that I've been actually pasting that all over the internet for the past year or so. That's probably. <laughs> I probably accidentally stole it from myself. I plagiarized it from myself. That's um, what you call ironic. Yeah. <laughs> when somebody accuses you of plagiarizing something that you wrote years earlier. Crazy. Um, keeping it within space news, or as I like to call it, space news. Um, and the getting back to the title of this episode of the podcast, Make Roswell Great Again. Donald Trump's very interesting disclosure. Um. So Baron Trump is slowly becoming a bit of an American hero because he's been like, apparently he's he like 12. Oh no. He's like, he's almost 18 and he's like a foot okay. and a half taller than his dad. Now let's do, how old is Baron Trump? B-A-R. Baron Trump. How did it know that that's what I was looking for? Um, oh wait, he's actually 14 years old. And he is he is clearly taller than his dad already. There's a picture there's a picture of him wearing this black jacket and he's towering over his dad. (laughs) (laughs) And somewhere out there, I don't know if this is a a meme or something like that, but um, or whether or not somebody actually photoshopped this. He was actually wearing a T-shirt that said, I miss Obama. (laughs) I don't know. Wait a minute, wait a minute. A teenager is rebelling against their parent. I'm shocked to hear that. Shocking. Nope. Shocked. Uh, nope. Apparently, it apparently it is fake. It is it is Photoshop. fake. Of course, it's Photoshop. But it it was it, when I first saw it, I thought it was funny as hell. If if he actually had the balls to wear that, the, the kid's my hero. <laughs> okay. Um, that now I got to find out how tall he is. How tall? There's just a bunch of memes. There's nothing that says exactly how tall he is. Then again, when you're going to sites like meaw.com, M-E-A-W-W.com, yeah. I mean, how much serious reporting can you expect from something that sounds like you stepped on a cat's tail? Right. Hell, I don't even know how tall Trump is, so seeing pictures of him next to his dad doesn't help. No. Uh, he's taller than both his father and mother, which puts him at at least six foot two. Yeah. So, anyway, 
Donald Trump's sons, apparently, according to all of these news articles. And, and the, here's the thing. This is in our show notes for previous episodes, and we just got to it today. Um, Trump signals he has interesting details on Roswell as son grills him on aliens. President Trump undergoes rigorous, rigorous questioning from his son, Donald Trump Jr., on Tuesday about the existence of an extraterrestrial life suggested that he knew, quote, interesting, unquote, information about Roswell, New Mexico, the site for a 1947 crash that has touched off conspiracy theories about alien spacecrafts ever since. Trump made the comments in a lighthearted Father's Day-themed video interview produced by his presidential campaign that dealt with a variety of topics, including potential U.S. government secrets about aliens. Before you leave office, will you let us know if there there's aliens? Because this is the only thing I really want to know. I want to know what's going on. Would you ever open up Roswell and let us know what's going on there? Trump Jr. asked. Would you ever open up Roswell and let us know what's really going on there? So many people ask me that question. I know, you know it sounds almost ridiculous, no, but it it's actually the real question. It sounds I like know. a cute question, but it's actually, there are millions and millions of people that want to go there, that want to see it. I won't talk to you about what I know about it, but it's very interesting. But Roswell's a very interesting place with a lot of people that would like to know what's going on. So you're saying you may declassify, oh. you'll, you'll, you'll take it? Well, I'll, I, I'll have to think about that one, right? Uh, I'll have well, to think. All right. I'll tell you why he has to think about that one. November 22nd, 1963. Because one of my favorite theories about why JFK was assassinated was that he was going to blow the lid off of what was going on in Area 51 and Roswell. And, and people were like, well, we can't let the president tell the rest of the world about the alien spacecraft that we have hidden in area 51 that landed in Roswell. Now, I, I mean, and I'm, I say that in tongue in cheek, I'm not sure if that's exactly true or not, but I, I do think that if Donald Trump wanted to get the conspiracy theorist wingnut moonbat contingency on his side, he, he, he would, he would definitely come on our podcast and, um, tell us what what he actually knows about Roswell, New Mexico. And I would also advise the president not to go for any um, limo rides with the top down anytime soon. <laughs> right. But I, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what to say about this, because on the one hand, he says he knows very interesting things about what happened at Roswell. I don't know why that wasn't. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, it's, this is where I struggle with with Trump. Because right. if anyone would be willing to spill the guts on something that's been top secret for decades, it would be Trump. Right. Just because he wants to be able to prove that he knows shit no one else does. Exactly. At the same time, though, it's Trump. So he's going to also pander to whatever crowd he thinks he's playing to. So, you know, the fact that he gets asked that question, of course, he's going to elaborate on it and try and make it seem even more mysterious than it already is. Right. So it's like, what the hell, dude? You know, like fucking what it boils down to is even if after he's no longer president, if he were to say something, I'd be like, yeah, but it's Trump. <laughs> you know, 
can't trust that he's actually spilling the beans on something and not trying to make something up. I mean, certain things he would say would lean towards proving one or the other, obviously. Right. But now, I would love to know what I would love to see someone declassify those files, and that's where I've been excited about all of the recent admission by the government that they actually have had interactions with unidentified aerial objects that are clearly of an advanced technology are unlikely to have a terrestrial origination. Yeah. Which is basically the military's way of saying, it's a UFO, but we can't say it's a UFO. Right. They won't come out and actually say. Now, one of the most essential books that I think that our listeners ought to take a look at, read or listen to it. And again, it's the link to this is in our, in a, the show page. Um, just do a search for the Fedora Chronicles. And the name of this episode is make Roswell great again. Now this book, the day after Roswell is one of those books that made me, made me stop look up at, and I was just using Google at the time and look things up and see if whether or not any of this made sense or did anybody else talk about this or whatever. And a lot of this of what is said in this book can be backed up by doing other, other people have backed up what the author um, Philip Corso said or Colonel Philip Corso said. And I'm just going to read the synopsis real here because I like reading out loud to our audience. The Day After Roswell is an American book about extraterrestrial, I almost said extracurricular, an extraterrestrial spacecraft and the UFO incident. It was written by United States Army Colonel Philip J. Corso with the help of William J. Benes, and it was published as a tell-all memoir by Pocket Books in 1997, a year before Corso's death. The book claims that an extracurricular extraterrestrial spacecraft crashed near Roswell, New Mexico in 1947 and was recovered by the U.S. United States government who then sought to cover up all evidence of extraterrestrials. The majority of this book is an account of Colonel Corsco's claims that he was assigned to a secret government program that provided some material recovered from the crashed spacecraft to private industry without saying where those items came from to reverse engineer them for corporate use. Corso was a special assistant to Lieutenant General Arthur Trudeau, who headed Army Research and Development and was in charge of the Foreign Technology Desk. In this position, he would take technological artifacts obtained from Russia, German, and other foreign sources and have American companies reverse engineer that technology. The book contends that several aspects of modern technology, such as fiber optics and integrated circuit boards, were developed by using information taken from that craft. Colonel Corso also claimed that the world was, quote, at war, unquote, with extraterrestrials, and that the Strategic Defense Initiative project was part of the campaign that successfully concluded in Earth's favor. The book concludes with a reproduction of information about Project Horizon, a 1950s U.S. Army plan for a base on the moon. This is the most amazing part of all of this. When it was released, the book contained a foreword written by Strom Thurmond, for whom Corso had once served as an aide. Thurmond wrote, quote, 
He has many interesting stories to share with individuals interested in military history, espionage, and the workings of our government, unquote. The foreword did not mention anything about UFOs since Thurmond had assumed the book was a straightforward memoir. When he learned about the book's contents, Thurmond asked for his foreword to be redacted, saying, quote, I, did no, I know of no such cover-ups and do not believe one existed. I think that that's... So wait a minute. Yeah. Wasn't Strom Thurmond also the guy who was in the KKK? I think... I, I don't know. I don't know. We ought to... Well, you know what? I wish that there was a tool that we could use. I wish that there was a tool that we could we use. Need, what we need is something that has the sole repository yeah. of human information, human knowledge. There were plenty of sexual mis uh, sexual misconduct allegations, that's for sure. Apparently. Holy shite. Because, you know, I don't like to fucking swear. Yeah, clean up your fucking language. Right? In opposition to the Civil Rights Act of 1957, he conducted the longest speaking filibuster ever by a lone senator yeah. at 24 hours and 18 minutes in length. So, despite being a pro-segregation Dixiecrat, he insisted he was not a racist. Okay, uh-huh, all right. Which is why he was able to stand up and talk for over 24 hours in opposition to it. What an asshole. Well, he, oh, oh, he also had a mixed-race 78-year-old daughter, so maybe he wasn't a racist. Oh, wait, yes, he was. Yeah, okay, whatever. I think they were confusing him with Robert Byrd. That's probably true. Right. So I don't know what to say about that. Man, I rarely know what to say. That's why so much shit just dribbles out of my mouth. I know, that's why you have a podcast. So, but... Shit is Wikipedia pages it is it is long it is long then again he was in office for like 750 years so i mean so and i also have three other books that i talk about often um there's the witness to roswell that was written by um thomas j curry who was a guest on the metaphysical connection with walt schnabel and i and um he was he was a, he's a fascinating character, um, a little contentious because he had said that the, the, he had one more book in him and then that was that was it he was done. The other book that also sort of like kept me up at night was the book uh, Children of Roswell, written by oh again I think I think this is the one that he was talking about um, Thomas J Carey, um, where he talked about the aftermath of Roswell. And it was, it's Children of Roswell looks pretty much solely at the American military's reaction to what happened at Roswell. And the entire premise of the book, or one of the things I got out of the book, is that in the times of an emergency, and tell me if this doesn't sound familiar, Jay, in the time of an emergency, the U.S. government will do whatever the hell it wants to shut you the fuck up. The yep. U.S. government does not care about the rule of law, the Bill of Light rights, the Constitution, your inalienable rights endowed upon you by your creator. They don't give a wit about that in the event of some kind of national emergency. And in the, in the case of Roswell, and especially as detailed in the book Children of Roswell, they lay out this argument 
that the U.S. government was in such a hurry and so passionate about keeping a lid on what happened in Roswell, they actually like threatened children and grown adults saying, if you say anything about this, we'll fucking kill you. We'll fucking kill your dog. We'll kill your cat. We'll kill your goldfish. We'll kill your turtle. We'll kill your grandparents, your teacher, your classmates. And everybody else who is close to you, if you mutter a fucking word about this. Now, when you say that, I think most people's reaction is to say, they can't do that. They're not allowed to do that. But ask yourself this. If you had someone who you knew represented the United States, flanked by members of the military, come into your house and tell you that in no uncertain terms, what would you do? Would you say you can't do that and then go and find a lawyer? I don't know. Sure, I would. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't. I'm pretty sure I'd be like, you know what? Yeah. I know you're not supposed to do that, but those are some big fucking guns that you have in your hands right now, pointed at me. So. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the entire title, the entire title of this book is "The Children of Roswell: A Seven-Decade Legacy of Fear, Intimidation, and Cover-Ups" by Thomas J. Carey and Donald R. Schmidt. And this is written back in. Nine, uh, 2016. This is not just another book about Roswell. It's not about any of the events surrounding one of the most famous UFO incidences of all time. It's not even about any of the men or women involved in the recovery of a spaceship and its crew in the summer of 1947. Rather, it's about the aftermath, the lifetime impact Roswell had on the families who were forced to live with the truth while accepting the government's account of the incident and forced to face years of suppression and fear of reprisal from a government sworn to protect them. Despite the government's best efforts to explain it away, after nearly 70 years, Roswell is a story that just won't disappear. Parents who were present during or immediately after the incident may have passed on, but their children, um, let's see, but their children know what happened and have paid dearly for the knowledge. These are their stories. You will finally learn the truth about the daughter of a witness to an alien body who discovered that her phone had been bugged for years, how the U.S. Air Force tried to change the mind of a son of Roswell Intelligent Officer in 1995, what really became of the son of the principal witness who disappeared in 1960. These are stories worth reading that force you to think about why the government would go to such lengths to keep these families quiet. Why the fuck... Would the U.S. government go to such extremes to keep people quiet if it was just a fucking weather balloon? See, now, here's the thing, though, right? Say it was some sort of spy technology and not really a weather balloon, which seems to be the biggest accepted theory right. of what it is. It's the reason why they're... Blah, 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 blah. Right. Okay, 1995, Cold War was over. Right. So why the hell would they, in 1995 try to change the mind of the son of the Roswell intelligence officer. I think he's talking about Jesse Marsalis Jr. Probably, but the point is the time. If it's spy technology, that shit was really important during the Cold War, not so important post-Cold War. So why after the Cold War would they be still threatening or intimidating the son of one of their own officers? I don't know. That makes no sense. Well, that's kind of the point. That really makes no sense to anybody. If you stop and think about it long and hard enough, 
you should get angry about this. You should look at this and says, why, why all the secrecy? And, and here's the other thing, getting back to the president of the United States. We all know that, that Donald Trump is a bit of a loose cannon. And I say mm-hmm. that facetiously. Why is, it, why is it that Donald Trump is so afraid to tell the truth about what really happened in Roswell? You would think that such a loudmouth and such um, a blowhard, if he is everything that they say he is, why wouldn't Donald Trump say, here's the truth? Why wouldn't Donald, you know, the perfect time to do this was on the 4th of July speech at Mount Rushmore. And Donald Trump could say, hey, listen, this is what really happened at Roswell. Would they, would, would they cut his mic? Would they cut to a commercial break? Would they cut the feed? It's a damn good question. You would think that if nothing happened at Roswell and there's nothing hidden in Area 51, Donald Trump would just kind of say, you would think that Donald Trump would be one of the first people to tell all the nerds and geeks out there to get a life, nothing happened. But you, but I mean, of all the people in all the world, Donald Trump is the one person to say, "Eh, you know, yeah, I got, I got a lot of interesting information about that. And when his son, Don uh, Don Jr. said, well, why don't you just tell the world what really happened? Even Donald Trump is afraid to say anything about what really happened. And this guy is, I mean, see, all this could fall under the conspiracy of the shadow government, though. Oh, it falls right. neatly into that. It, it falls, falls neatly into that. But also, I mean, there's also the other conspiracy theory about shadowy governments where they're actually, what do they call them, reptars? The reptile people that yeah, the wear re- Yeah, the reptilians. Yeah. The reptilians. So, I mean, this is what I love about conspiracy theories is where they all fucking slam into each other. Right. <laughs> right. The shadow government to me, is the most believable of those two conspiracy theories. Is it possible that there's alien reptile people who are have some sort of technology that allows them to appear human? I suppose. Right. Is it more likely that there's a secret cabal of people within the bureau- bureaucracy of the federal bloated federal government that is willing to kill anyone? It seems more plausible to me. Is it likely? Oh, exactly. 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 Can you imagine? I mean, imagine if whether Trump wins this year or not, you know, in in seven years, eight years, he's no longer president, regardless of of whether he wins this year or not. Right. Right. He gives an interview where he's like, let me tell you about Roswell. And then all of a sudden, you know, that interview never gets published and he finds himself suicided. Yeah. You know? You know, they they find him in some hotel room with a tranny hooker and he's got himself uh, autoerotic asphyxiation or something like that. Right. So what would that mean? You know, that certainly would feed some conspiracy theories. Of course, I think there's a lot of people on the left to be like, I fucking knew it. But still, you know, I mean, this is how the conspiracy theories of the of things like the shadow government end up existing. And I still think the shadow government is one of those conspiracy theories that is the most likely to actually exist because the shadows the the shadow government would explain Jimmy Hoffa it explained right. the UFOs the fact that the that we're start that the military I, I know I said this already the fact that the military is starting to admit that yeah we we've we've dogfight we've gotten to dogfights with UFOs right kicked our asses too by the way Oh, you know that they're just fucking with us. Right? You, you know that there's... Oh, look, they've still got those internal combustion engines. How cute. How adorable. <laughs> How adorable. 
You know, I you mean, know? it's it, it's and the entire theme of this episode is basically talking about how and you said it best, like what we see is just the tip of the iceberg and we're not even at the waterline yet. Mm-hmm. And that not to and and I I, I want to save this for a future episode. I've been doing some, and I sent the links to some of the articles that I've been reading. I've been doing a really deep dive into some of the documents that have been written about the coronavirus and about what really happened behind closed doors at at the Wuhan Institute of Virology before December 2019. And... It's sort of like it's it's all it's almost like peering into the mind of Mary Shelley while she was writing Frankenstein. How bad how bad can bad really get with the tools at our disposal? And what would what would actually happen if something that we created accidentally spilled out and got left left the lab? Well, okay, so and, coronavirus is is a gift to us conspiracy theorists. Oh, it's a gift that keeps on giving. It just keeps getting it, it better really and is. better. So, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Continue. All right. Now, there are a lot of, and kind of getting back to what you had said, there are a lot of things that we don't know. There's a lot every time that we think that we found the answer to one question. Ten more questions are asked. Like, how... What what makes a virus so deadly? And how can we actually make it deadlier? How can we use nuclear energy to supply the, the world with an abundance of energy and an abundance of electricity? How can we tap into the world's resources of oil that's hiding underground and especially beneath um, beneath the ocean surface? How, you know... How can we tap into that? And, and, and when we start looking deeper and deeper into these realms, we're finding out how dangerous the universe really is. The universe is really a dangerous place. And it seems like the universe is trying to find new and interesting ways to kill us all the time. And we're flirting with that. We almost have this death fixation. We think that we are in control, and then it takes something like, let's say, Chernobyl or Fukushima, or even before that, Idaho Falls. And people should stop what they're doing right now and look up Idaho Falls. And if and and by just reading a synopsis of what happened at Idaho Falls should really scare you. Okay, you're gonna have, Idaho Falls is a city. It is. So you're gonna have to be a little more specific about when you say what happened in Idaho Falls. I'm going to do a quick search right now and see if it, it, sh- it should. The first thing I. Because I'm looking at the first page, releases names of a crash near Idaho Falls. Tourism, 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 tourism. Post register obituary. Idaho Falls nuclear disaster. There we go. For whatever reason, when I look it up, the first thing is a nuclear accident co- that, that comes up, but it just knows me. Just look up <laughs> SL-1, SL-1 reactor, quote, accident. Okay, so this is kind of scaring me because the nuclear reactor testing station that they're talking about yep. is um, really, really close to where my daughter lives in Idaho. Oh, shit. Sorry. That's right. 
there's actually in that area there is a really cool national park called Craters of the Moon, mm-hmm. which is a um, it's just a that all that ground up there is just littered with volcanic debris from thousands of years ago, five six thousand years ago. Now here's so, here's now here's the question. Just keeping mm-hmm. keeping on the theme of this week's episode, mm-hmm. and maybe there's knowledge we we shouldn't know. Maybe we're not ready to learn the truth about all of these things. If there was an omnipotent being, like you had said, that said, I'll answer any question you ask, then maybe some of the answers would be, no, you're not ready to know that yet. And for good reason. How come you don't know about Idaho Falls? How come you don't know about Idaho Falls and the SL-1 reactor accident? That was part of it, a government cover-up to keep the world in the dark about the dangers of nuclear reactors because what well, but uh, uh, all right so no seriously to answer your, yeah to answer your question it a lot of it goes towards interest like for example when i looked up idaho falls it showed me all the touristy stuff right. why because this past weekend i did a number of searches in idaho falls right looking for places to eat right on july 4th because that's what i was going to be doing that and we are going to be in Idaho Falls. Yep. So that's what it showed me. You, on the other hand, have a history of looking up <laughs> conspiracy theories yeah. and stuff like that. So some of that has to do with the search engines adapting to what you're most likely to look for in a given area. Yeah. Right? Um, some of that is also personal interest. Like, I'm more interested in conspiracy theories involving... Um, you know, like cryptids and uh, ancient civilizations and things like that, which right. is not to say you're not, but that I that obsesses me more right. than like you have a broader range of interests within the conspiracy theories. Yes. So you're more likely to see those things come up on your search as a direct result of that. Yeah. Like, now, if there was like a Bigfoot sighting in Idaho Falls, that probably would have shown up on my search. Maybe not on yours. Right. So that's all has to do with just how search engines work and and the way they track your cookies and all that other kind of stuff. So, I mean, that's part of the reason why I don't know about it. However, comma, your other comment that the government didn't want anyone to know about it because that is absolutely true. I mean, just doing a quick scan of the Wikipedia page for SL1. Right. It says that it happened one and killed three operators when was three mile island a couple years later more than a decade later but how many people did it kill i don't think it killed any kind of makes you wonder though doesn't it also look where how many people are around idaho falls population density of idaho falls versus population density surrounding three mile island there's a lot more people around three mile island yeah i know what you're saying so you know some of this it's easier to keep a secret the less people are involved Right. You know, which is why the moon landing is just so laughable because it would involve literally tens of millions of people all agreeing to keep silent about it. Most of whom would have no reason to agree to keep silent, you know. So that's why to me it's laughable to think we didn't land on the moon because it's I mean, what was that um I forget who said it, but basically if three people know a secret then it isn't a secret. Right. One of them's going to talk. Right. That's just how it is. So, yeah, I mean, it, we're going to the things that are going to be more spectacular and harder to hide are the things we're going to learn about. Yeah. Like, even a shadow government 
is not going to be able to keep everything a secret. The truth will come out because the size of the incident. Right. So. I mean, especially since you have men like Thomas J. Carey, who wrote, who has written at least two, maybe three books on Roswell. And that, event, I mean, eventually people did come out and talk and say, this is what happened. They threatened to kill me if I said anything. You would, you, and you know those people were itching to tell somebody, and here comes this this guy who's who's already written one book. He says, "You can tell me. I will. I will make sure everyone knows." Right. You know. I mean, yeah. That's that's one of the reasons why so many conspiracy theories that I, I like to dabble in sometimes fall apart because it, right. But I think you enjoy seeing the ones fall apart. Too, I, I like see, I like tells you, right. That lets you know that you're digging into them. Yes. And you're not just buying into them. Right. Because if you were actually to look at the 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 lunar landing, the Apollo 11 lunar landing being fake. Once you read that the Soviet Union, Russia and China were watching us very carefully using their own radar systems and monitoring everything that we did. They were monitoring our broadcasts, as it were. The minute that they discovered that that we're faking it, they would have blown the whistle on us. They would have right. said they're faking it. Then, so this is to me is it is an interesting social commentary too, or social observation of that. Yeah, the Russians had every reason to prove what we that we didn't do it, and yet they were honorable enough to admit, yeah, the fucking Americans landed on the moon. Right. You know, they admitted it. If it came out today and it was irrefutably proven that Donald Trump cured cancer by himself, I think the American left would. You dropped out there for a second. Oh, sorry. I if it came out that Donald Trump by himself, just on a whim, decided found out the cure for cancer, and there was else involved, and there's irrefutable proof of that. I think the American left. First of all, the media would not publish it. No. You would get the right wing media publishing it. But the left-wing media wouldn't even publish it. Then you would have people on the left in this country denying that he did it. That's how There's far. No that's that's how far that we've actually come. That's how far we've fallen. And I'm and but I think that that's exactly now. Yeah. Again, it's not to say that we haven't been that divided before. We have. But the pendulum, I think, is we're about at the tipping point where there's a lot of people now in the middle that are looking at the two extremes, going, "Y'all are both fucking nuts." Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah, I'm sorry. Kind of went off a little topic there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you did. Um, But I I think that that's that's basically the show right there. And it was I think that you and I have sort of like in this mental exercise have sort of proven to the rest of the world that somehow, some way, the truth is going to to bear out. The truth is going to come out about all of these things. I think it's very telling that somebody like Donald Trump is the is the first guy to say, "No, I know all these things, but no, I, I'm not going to tell you because uh, I, I like breathing too much." <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Thor Chronicles Radio Show. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our show notes, past episodes, and articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. 
Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, FedoraChronicle at Google.com, are great ways to drop us a line with your comments and show topic suggestions. And if it's any good, we promise we will read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing, and for $5 a month, you get all that and a t-shirt and coffee mug of your choice. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at zazzle.com slash store slash Fedora Chronicles. The theme songs for the show are Royal Flush and Black Cabaret by Olive Music. All other music on the show is listed on the show page and has been provided to us by Premium Beats from Shutterstock. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2020, all rights reserved. On behalf of my co-host Jason and I, this is Eric Render King Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chins up and your fedoras on.